Hello, everyone. Welcome to the very first episode of Sex Ed Podcast. I'm your host, Jen McPhail. And this is your other host, Kaylee Mosier. We realized that last week when we released our trailer, I accidentally said it was the first episode, but actually this is the first real episode. So we hope you enjoy our first real episode. Uh, So today we're talking to our co-host, Kaylee Mosier, about her sex education that she got growing up and some experiences she had sort of resulting from that, how it influenced her life. So yeah, tell tell the listeners and me a little bit about yourself, including your uh, pronouns and your sexuality, if you don't mind. Totally. So my pronouns are she, her, and my sexuality, I actually identify as pansexual or bisexual. I don't really care that much about the labels, but yeah, it's been a fun journey. Here I am now. <laughs> Yeah. Well, let's talk about that journey a little bit. It seems like you did not always identify as bisexual, pansexual, non-labeled. No, definitely not. <laughs> I uh, grew up very religious where being anything other than straight was considered sinful and wrong. And keep in mind that I know that not all religions are like this anymore and not all have always been like this. This is just my personal experience So even though I did have feelings for a friend of mine who was a girl when I was in eighth grade, uh, instead of pursuing anything, I just panicked and thought I was a lesbian and squished them very deep, deep down inside. (laughs) Oh, yeah, I can I can identify with that. I started being attracted to girls in middle school as well and uh, became very, very afraid. I also grew up pretty religious. I don't mm-hmm. ever remember in my experience, not that this interview is about me, but um, <laughs> anyone ever coming out specifically and saying that homosexuality was bad or wrong. There were definitely like comments here and there, but no one ever mm-hmm. explicitly said that to me. I just knew, I just sort of intuited from my religious community that it was. Did you have Mm -hmm. instances where people outright told you it was like sinful and you were going to hell or whatever? Yeah. I mean, I don't think it was quite that seriously, but I mean, back in the time that we were young and in school, uh, I mean, I don't think that any kind of gay marriage was allowed. I actually remember in, I think high school was when prop eight happened in California, which legalized gay marriage in California, but that was even really controversial, Uh, especially, I I think I remember a little bit some of the adults in my life maybe talking about how they were against it. It wasn't all fire and brimstone, but it was definitely something that was disapproved of. And I do remember having lessons. I don't know from who. It may have been from church. It may have been from the school that I went to. I went to a Christian school uh, until high school. And I do remember getting lessons that like homosexuality was against God's plan because God created people to be straight, get married and have babies all within the confines of marriage. And I even remember like I had a camp counselor one year when I was in, I must have been in middle school or high school. And I remember she said she didn't think that gay people should be allowed to get married, but they should be allowed to have some kind of union that they don't call marriage because marriage is special for Christian people. 
which I never understood because I mean, everyone gets married. <laughs> right. Yeah. Not just Their marriage people. licenses. <laughs> yeah. So anyone. there was yeah. definitely a lot of lessons about it being wrong. And I mean, even just in school, like from friends and stuff, like I definitely had a few gay friends and it became normal, more normal for me when I got older. But right. It was kind of a slur. Right. Yeah. We'd say things like, oh, that's so gay when we meant something was shitty mm-hmm. or stupid. Uh, mm hmm. Yeah. And so I, I had a similar experience as well, where it just wasn't like, like same sex couples were not ever shown. Like you, you didn't, you got the idea that it was bad or wrong because no one around you was that or condoned yeah. that, or, you know, you mm-hmm. couldn't see it for yourself. You had no idea what it should look like. Only the idea that if no one else is doing it and people are saying it's wrong, then it mm-hmm. is wrong. And there's something inherently like bad or wrong about you. Totally. I actually remember thinking that gay, like I remember it became a thing when people started being like, no, gay couples just want to get married like everyone else. They just want to settle down, have a home, maybe have some kids or some dogs. And that was like a big deal because the entire impression before that was that they're just wild partiers fucking everything in sight, which like, you know, some, some are. Yeah, That's cool. But some so, so are some so straight are a lot people. Of straight, yeah, a lot of fucking straight people like that, especially in college. Um, <laughs> especially outside of college. Yeah, or now. <laughs> or, you know, any anytime. Yeah, no shame in that. But uh, that was I remember was for a little while the argument of like, mm-hmm. oh, they should be allowed because, you know, some of them are even waiting for marriage or like I don't know. It's right. Yeah, it was like sort of an extension of this like almost heteronormative like nuclear family ideal it just happened Mm -hmm. to have two same-sex parents um and so that was okay and i know Mm -hmm. that there are some some religious beliefs um that uh gay people are allowed to sort of participate in religious life as long as they don't uh engage in sex or get married and some Mm -hmm. say that they must be married and partnered like monogamous monogamous monogamously did i say that right for some reason that word sounds wrong in my head monogamous (laughs) i wonder why (laughs) maybe it's because i'm not monogamous and i just don't ever say it monogamously Monogamously? maybe that's not a word but like i know what you mean they have to be monogamous they have to be monogamous um (laughs) anywho so you you, it seems like you sort of came out around high school or college. What what was that journey like? That's a good question. I definitely, it wasn't like a big sudden thing. I was in a straight relationship for pretty much all of college that ended right at basically the end of college. And when I was kind of healing from that and getting back out there to start dating, I was definitely mostly dating and hooking up with guys, but that was the first time on Tinder I like turned it on to meet women. Uh, so I guess that was like the first time I kind of was like, okay, I'll think about this. But I was very scared. Like I I think I only swiped right on maybe one or two. And I remember specifically like one of them, I talked to one of them very briefly and she spelled everything wrong when she messaged me. And I was like, oh, gross. And I just <laughs> matched her we all have to have standards you know yeah spelling is is one of yours I guess yeah she just seemed dumb (laughs) well yeah but I feel like I was being I was really definitely just scared and uh 
yeah, it didn't really become a thing until uh, my last boyfriend when we started going into like polyamory and um, dating women together and separately. And then when me and him broke up now, I also date women and men. Not so successful at dating the women, but we'll <laughs> keep trying. Are any of us, honestly? I don't, I'm not either. So, you know, it's fine, I guess. It's really, it's hard. And I get really like, I get nervous and scared and I I don't know. I'm bad mm-hmm. at initiating things too. Gotcha. I mean, it doesn't seem like that. Like you have, you're sort of pursuing a woman right now, right? Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I've been talking to someone that, uh, that started right when coronavirus quarantining hit. So that's been fun, <laughs> but, uh, it's good. I mean, we talk, we mm-hmm. text and stuff, but I mean, that hasn't been, I mean, I think a lot of the problem for me is like sexually and especially gotcha. with women, I feel like at least for me, it's hard to know when, they're just being like friendly or flirty and there's so many girls that are just like really touchy or like just like to flirt with their friends just for funsies which is totally fine but it confuses me and I've noticed actually as an adult like ever since I became or like came out more as like bisexual or pansexual that I do not touch my friends that are girls anymore and when they like try to, I mean, I'll hug them and stuff, but like, I don't get cuddly mm-hmm. and I, I feel weird touching them because I'm so afraid that they're going to think I'm hitting on them. Gotcha. <laughs> wow. Well, I'm, that sounds like, I mean, it kind of sounds like a double-edged sword. Like at least you're aware of that, you know, like obviously no one wants to be creepy, but also, <laughs> also touching is nice. <laughs> I know it makes me I didn't even notice it my old roommate brought it up she's like you don't really like to be touched and I was like yeah I do you're like please touch me (laughs) yeah no but I definitely I get a little bit weird uh it's a bummer I need to work on that girls (laughs) girls or women do tend to touch each other more often I think it's more socially acceptable for women friends to um express like affection or closeness through touching than it is for men and I think um yeah I think that's probably what it is but I I also have issues with understanding if women may be into me or not I have like terrible (laughs) gaydar like it's so terrible also so I just never know (laughs) um so we kind of went off on a tangent there but back to back to you I guess um so you sort of started I guess accepting your your pansexual pansexuality your pansexual pansexuality (laughs) and um also your polyamory I guess so you started Mm -hmm. hooking up with women and dating women through attempting to (laughs) that's a good way to put it um so then I know that your religious upbringing sort of colored a lot of your your sex ed and your views on sexuality um Mm -hmm. what exactly did you learn in school and and this just to give context of timing this would have been like the early 2000s and the 2010s yeah well this would have been like uh, let me think about how old I was this would have been basically the yeah 2000 through 2010 would have been the years that I was in I guess middle school and high school 
So, yeah. So I, I think I mentioned before I went to a private Christian school all the way up until high school. So I learned a lot of really fun and interesting things there. <laughs> In sixth grade is what I remember was our first kind of foray into sex ed and in my school, sixth grade was still part of elementary school. So we were still in like one classroom, boys and girls, most of the day. But for sex ed, we had a special like unit where our normal teacher, who was a woman, taught all the girls. And then all the boys went to our computer teacher, which was a guy. And basically, I think it was just an hour or two. Like, I don't even think it was like a multi-day thing. It was just once and we all had to get permission slips too. And there's one kid whose parents did not sign the permission slip and he had to just sit in the hallway. Oh, I know. But, Some say to um, this day that kid still doesn't know how to have sex. <laughs> he, he's probably traumatized from it. Yeah. Who knows what he learned at home anyway? Sorry. <laughs> Go ahead. Yeah. Oh my God. I didn't even think about that. <laughs> I'm going to do some Facebook stalking after this. Um, so Anyway, so I what I remember from my class is that we all sat around in a circle and learned about how sex was this thing made by God that is between a man and a woman that is supposed to happen after you're married. I mean, pretty run of the mill. I know some people do what is called like the tape exercise. I don't remember. I honestly don't remember if we did any of these, but these are like really common in Christian schools and churches where like each kid gets a piece of tape on their finger and then they pass it around and then when the piece of tape comes back to them it's like not sticky anymore and has dirt and shit in it or they'll do it with like a ball of something sticky or like a rose that they'll pluck the petals off and the whole idea is like the more people that touch this the dirtier it gets and you don't want it anymore the more ruined it is so I don't remember if we did anything like that but we did talk about that a lot and then at the very end of it we were given pieces of paper that said that we promised to keep ourselves pure until marriage and we were very much pressured to sign it and we all did which is just crazy that like 12 year olds are signing a piece of paper saying that they're not going to have sex until they're married when this is the first time they're hearing about sex and yeah and so I I actually reached out to some of the people that were in that class and asked them for their memories of it because I was very curious particularly with um the guys because I was curious about what they learned about and what they told me is that the computer teacher told them how to put on condoms and said that playing with boobs is fun so like useful things they learned useful things (laughs) (laughs) yeah apparently they didn't learn that they would be dirty and ruined if they had sex before marriage and yeah so that is like I mean, it's, I don't know if that kind of thing's still happening, probably in some parts of the world. (laughs) I mean, I don't think that boys typically learn in these religious areas that they need to wait until marriage or that they're, you know, objects that are dirty and discarded if they do. But that does sound like a little, like that teacher went a little rogue. I also don't think that they're (laughs) usually learning how to put on condoms and stuff. Was this like a young, cool computer teacher who was like, okay. Oh, he wasn't? <laughs> no, he was like old and Christian-y. I mean, he was oh. cool. Like, I liked him. Uh, he, he was my favorite he wasn't teacher. He was but... some young guy. He was like, okay, these douchebags are going to tell you one thing, but here's the real no. thing. No. Boobs are fun, and this is how you put a condom on. No, he was like probably in his 
like 40s or 50s and and religious like everyone yeah and i don't mm. i don't know if he was married or not he probably was yeah he's talking about boobs <laughs> how else would he have seen them right if you're supposed to wait till marriage um that was a joke he probably saw them <laughs> you know, I'm, that was no that was my point uh yeah but i mean it's pretty crazy because i mean uh, that's what a lot of us are taught as when we're young and religious as mm-hmm. girls particularly and i do remember actually getting verbatim this lesson in eighth grade um which is that boys are full of hormones and can't control themselves and they have crazy sexual urges so it is our job to make sure that we are covered and we are not tempting them that was always what it was it was about temptation mm-hmm. you don't want to tempt the male gaze and right. even to this day it's hard for me to want to dress any form of slutty which can be hard because i have very long legs and so all skirts are short on me unless they're like prairie woman skirts <laughs> but also um, you're like 27 and you deserve to dress sexy if you I'm want to 28 now. also you're 28 and you deserve to dress sexy if you want to <laughs> i know but uh i mean i always feel like i'm going to get the wrong kind of attention and honestly, that does happen quite a bit, and I don't like it. Right. So I don't know. <laughs> Maybe they're I right. I mean, we could put a religious spin on it and say that God gave you your gorgeous long legs for a reason. <laughs> and it wasn't to hide them in prairie skirts. It's to kick um, rapists in the balls and run away from them. Exactly. <laughs> or, you know, show them to whoever you want them to, including, you know, the public generally. Yeah, that's um, true. So I kind of want to go back to what you learned and. Mm-hmm. school um and just you know how striking it is but I, I learned something very similar that women are very much portrayed as objects to be acted upon that it is their fault if you know something were to happen to them like like a sexual assault or harassment or, or unwanted attention um that it, it's their fault and that mm-hmm. boys can't help it and you know the the other sort of tangential issue is that boys are expected to boys and men, I guess, are expected to have sexual needs and to be able to fulfill their, I guess, pleasure-seeking desires. But, like, girls are also full of hormones. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Girls also can be tempted and also want to have sex, which I guess was, like, something they didn't even touch on. (laughs) No, they never talk about that. Women are supposed to be chaste and keep their desires in. And it is... I mean, so I think I touched on having a sex ed class in eighth grade, too. Mm-hmm. So that one was actually a PE unit. So they, again, split the women and men up. The women did a rape defense class and the men did a football unit. Not joking. And <laughs> so was it like tackle football. Was it like, yeah, okay. prob- I mean, I don't I don't know. Because maybe but- they could have been like, also, this is a rapist. Attack them. <laughs> Maybe they did the get rapist raped. has the ball. <laughs> Tackle him. <laughs> Sorry, Which, it like, probably wasn't this, that. <laughs> no, it was not. It, it's so problematic because that, first of all, gives the idea that men don't get raped, A. which is ludicrous. And second, like, I mean, this class, since, it, I mean, I'm grateful that I had a rape defense class. Like, I think teaching that to young girls or young children, honestly, is a good idea. We learned a lot of defense moves that I still think of to this day. But the other problematic side of it was that I was very much taught that men are constantly watching you 
looking to find a weakness, mm-hmm. waiting to catch you when you seem like you're not paying attention. They're hiding in the bushes. They're going to jump out at you. They're going to grab you. They're going to take something from you. It is your job to be constantly vigilant. It is your job to constantly be on the lookout. And our teacher literally said to us, she would rather die than be raped. She would rather wow. get killed by this person than be raped. And so that was like the stakes she gave you. Like you have to fight this person off with your life sort of. Yeah. Because being ruined, like if, if you get raped, you're going to be ruined for your future husband. No one would want you after that, wow. which is, it's crazy. So anyways, um, that it, I forgot where we were. I was going with that, but we were just talking about that, what you Yeah. So, right. And that, that definitely gave me the impression that I always have to be on my guard against people where I was like, men just kind of get to be what is natural to them and they can try to score. They can kind of try to do whatever. But, mm-hmm. um, and, and I think that actually kind of fed into a narrative that, um, for, for me, like, I remember feeling like I learned that there's like two types of guys in the world, the guys that are just going to try to score and take advantage of you. And then the good ones that are going to be gentle and cherish you and will put you upon a pedestal and wait until he has put a ring on it to put a mm-hmm. peen in it. And wow, that can we, can we make a t-shirt with that? <laughs> put a ring on it before you put a peen in it. That might be too long. <laughs> and also we don't, we don't agree with that, but it'd be hilarious. Peen before ring. <laughs> I don't even know. I, I Yeah. So it, it's kind of crazy that there's, I mean, there's so many messages in there that got conveyed. Yeah that weren't even necessarily spoken. I mean, it's some of the ones that were spoken were horrendous, but yeah, I mean, there's definitely a lot that I'm still honestly dealing with and, Mm -hmm. uh, which some of it is, I I think I did realize like I do have a constant like awareness Mm -hmm. of, of men in particular and fear. And like when I'm home alone, I recently moved out to, I guess, someone from the Bay Area would call the country. It is pretty (laughs) country-like out here. Um, But I live in like a house now with a yard. And now that I'm not in an apartment complex, I, I always get afraid of, I always imagine, especially when I'm alone, men staring in the windows at me and wanting to break in and rape and murder me. It is probably one of the most irrational fears that I have because the odds of that out here are probably pretty small the odds are low but I don't I don't think I think that's also I think that the vigilance it it probably is like ratcheted up in you because of the things you learned but I'm also the same way I'm always aware of men where they are in the room where I am in terms of the exit and where the men are Mm -hmm. so I wouldn't feel super bad (laughs) about you know feeling well I think what bothers me is that what I learned is that all these strangers are hiding in the shadows Mm -hmm. for me when in reality most rape I can't remember the percentage right now but I've written about this before and it is well over 50 percent most rapes are done by somebody that you know and that's actually what happened to me I was sexually assaulted multiple times while I was sleeping by somebody that not only was a friend of mine but someone that I had a crush on but I didn't want to have sex with him and I very clearly said I did not want to do anything sexual and I very much blame that eighth grade sex ed class for that no one ever taught me that 
I mean, first of all, the fact that sex was only okay in marriage meant that I put myself in that situation with this guy that I liked. And was it okay? I, it didn't feel like it was okay for me to stand up for myself in any kind of aggressive way because it was my fault that I was there. And I didn't even know it was possible to be sexually assaulted by somebody that you liked <laughs> Yeah. because I liked him. Why wouldn't I want these things? Right. So I, I think that that kind of learning that sex is only okay between married people is just really damaging because you never know what kind of situation that person's going to be in in the future and they need to feel empowered to voice what they want. It's not about the other person wanting something or not. It's about you and it's not wrong to be in that situation, which means it's not wrong to be out of the situation. Right. So instead of telling you how how to say no, how to get out of a situation that you should never be in a situation anyway with someone that uh, you like, so you wouldn't you should never have to learn how to say no to someone that you know, like that you also need to learn like how to say yes and how to voice Mm-hmm. It's very specifically like what you do want and what you don't want and um, not just like how to attack and get away from someone in the bushes, right? Yeah. So, I mean, the idea of waiting, having a, a heterosexual couple that waits till they're married, the idea is you would never need to learn to voice what you want or don't want. You would never need to learn to talk about boundaries and consent because the idea is once you get married, you're always default consenting right. to your husband and his wants and needs. So why would we ever, if we're teaching you to use a condom, if we're teaching you to, to talk about consent and boundaries, that means we're assuming you're going to have sex before you're married and that's sinful. So we're not going to teach you that. Right. It's, it's incredibly damaging in my opinion and it completely sets people up for failure yeah absolutely damaging not how the world works at all (laughs) um so kaylee i would love to dive into a little bit more of of what you think you should have learned in sex ed that might have helped you with the situation as well as how this uh this occurrence might have affected you and your understanding of sex and sexuality in the future. Uh, so let's let's pick back up on that for a, a second episode with Kaylee Mosher. I don't know, do you want to share some projects that you're working on or where people can uh, see more of your writing or learn more about you? Totally. So I am on Instagram and Twitter at Kaylee Pants. That's K-A-Y-L-E-E-P-A-N-T-S. I am also going to be hosting another podcast also about love and relationships, but not quite so um, sex ed and depressing about childhood. (laughs) Uh, This one's just shooting the shit with my friend Austin. Uh, That one is called You're the Problem, a podcast about love. Not sure on our launch date, but at some point we'll let you know. And I am also, uh, you can find me on Medium at Kaylee Mosier. That's where I do a lot of my writing. Or go follow my collage account on Instagram for some fun stuff. That's at RippyBits, R-I-P-P-Y dot B-I-T-S. And yeah. Thank you, everyone, for listening to our very first episode. We would love to hear your thoughts. So find us on Instagram at Sex Ed Podcast or on Twitter at Sex Ed Podcast and let us know your thoughts. Slip into those DMs. Please. We're <laughs> desperate, honestly. It would also be great if you could give us a rating on Spotify or on Apple Podcasts, wherever you listen. 
subscribe, subscribe, subscribe. It helps us show up in the search results. But anyways, if you made it this far, thank you for listening. We really appreciate having you here and we're really excited. Next episode will be out in two weeks. And it's all about me. So I know you're going (laughs) to love it. You will love it. Bye. Bye, everyone. Whoa, so many cross-plugging situations. (laughs) Sounds sexy. I don't know. Have you ever tried to fit a whole cross-plug up your butt? It's really... (laughs) You've just got to get past that wide part, then it's okay. Then it just disappears. (laughs) Then you have to go to the ER. (laughs) That's like the whole point of a cross-plug, honestly. (laughs) Yeah, don't don't do that. ERs are very full right now. They don't have time to x-ray your damn butthole (laughs) cavity.